The world of real estate investing is always changing. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, attorney and author Natalia Willett Grice has the expertise to provide valuable guidance on how to navigate the complexities of real estate investing. This is the Legacy Academy. Hello and welcome back to the Legacy Academy. I'm your host, Justin Christ, the COO of LCO Law, and with me is attorney Natalia Willett Grice, the owner of LCO Law and the author of three awesome real estate investment books. She's written about uh, Florida tax deeds, the foreclosure process, and her latest book, How to Manage Florida Rentals and Win in Court in Less Time with Less Conflict. These are all available on Amazon, and you can check out the description uh, for this episode to find a link to all these books. Now, today we're going to talk about a type of real estate litigation that comes into play when you have a property that's jointly owned. You know, what happens when you can't agree on how to manage it? What do you do when you want to sell, but your partner doesn't? You know, what if you happen to purchase a home with your significant other and then you break up? Where does the property go? What do you do? So today we're going to answer all these questions. Um, So the name of this suit is a partition Mm -hmm. action, correct? Yes. Um, So Natalia, what is a partition suit and how does it really relate to joint property ownership? So partition in Florida is a remedy that's available um, in which people that do not agree what to do with the property that they jointly own get to ask a court to do a couple of things. One, if the land can be physically divided to literally partition it based on the percentage of interest and, sure. and therefore divide it, right? Or two, if it's not something that's divisible, like a home (laughs) or a condo, Mm -hmm. um, to force a sale. uh, And then the proceeds will get distributed based on percentage of ownership, less expenses contributed by either side. Okay. So what are some of the common reasons that properties get put up in a partition suit? Uh, I would say the number one reason is inheritances, right? You pass your property along to your children. Uh, You think your children are going to be lovey-dovey when you pass away and enjoy co-ownership of property and that's sometimes uh, not the case and so in these inheritance cases right siblings will fight about it and it will result in partition suits um other ones are for example poorly done divorces so these are generally divorces that are done without counsel sometimes with counsel but mostly when you don't have an attorney where, whoops, you forgot to tell the court that you owned a piece of real estate with your spouse, and now you own them as tenants in common. (laughs) And so you and your ex-spouse disagree as to what to do with that property. And then another one would be like business relationships gone sour. So you acquire this property jointly with like a business partner. You each have it, you know, in the name of your individual companies as co-owners, or maybe you two as individuals together in title and then the business relationship goes sour so like a business divorce (laughs) (laughs) and now you don't agree what to do right okay now how does the the legal process of the partition actually work so um like i was saying earlier you know with a partition what you're asking the court to do is is twofold right so one you got to demonstrate the court that there's a specific percentage ownership of interest right? Uh, So that's the number one step. And number two, you're asking the court to either, if there's a physical way of partitioning the property, you're asking the court to have that partition. And generally the court appoints 
a group of individuals to make that determination as to how it can be physically divided, if it can be. Sure. Or you're asking the court to um, have a sale, right? And there's a couple ways in which you can have a sale. One is that there be a public sale. So just like there's foreclosures and they're noticed and held by the clerk of court, a partition can have a public sale or a partition can have a private sale. So a private sale is, hey, your honor, you know, we'd like to appoint this um, <clears throat> realtor to act on behalf of essentially the property, list it for sale, sign all the relevant uh, required documents, and we, we'd rather do this process because we think we might get more in the private market than in the public auction market. So th that's generally how the process of partition works. So, you know, the sale is held, whichever way it is, if it's a sale, and then the proceeds of that sale are held in place until the court determines um, if there's any credits to give for, you know, somebody paid taxes, somebody paid insurance this many years, somebody, you know, made rental income and didn't give that rental income percentage to the other co-owner, that kind of thing. Okay. So those credits are determined to then release the funds. Okay. Now, is there... Um like a default position that the court takes, like say you were married, like you used the mm -hmm. example, you got divorced, it was poorly done, mm -hmm. and now you're joint tenants in common on this property. Is there an assumption of a 50-50? Yeah, it starts when it off goes in there? it starts off with an assumption of equal percentage ownership. I won't say 50-50 because there could be a partition between three people or four people, sure. right? So it could be, you know, three people thirds, four people quarters. Uh, and most people, unfortunately, do not put the percentage title ownership on the document. Now, if you are inheriting property, that is in there. That is in the order of administration or order determining homestead that says, you know, what percentage share you have. Sure. Um, which makes it a lot easier to say, like, hey, here's definitive proof <laughs> that, you know, this person owns 16% or 5.6% or whatever it whatever may be, Whatever it right? may be, sure. Um, but it starts off with that presumption of equal ownership if there's nothing else. And to try to prove that there's unequal ownership would require a substantial amount of, like, uh, evidence. Yeah, <laughs> so this is an evidence-based procedure. It's an evidence-based procedure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So, like, if Joe and Tammy have a house and Joe says, yeah, well, we used my 401k for the down payment, mm -hmm. is he going to be, uh, I mean, is that considered a gift? Is that generally it's considered a gift yeah. and ownership will be deemed equal yeah. if it's if they're put equally in title. Mm -hmm. that, that's important for you guys to understand yeah. that <laughs> you, you need to have documentation. Yeah. And if you want, you know, what you're using to be considered a loan, get a mortgage. For right. That amount, right. Like you just <laughs> you need to be careful with how you do things when you're entering into joint ownership. But like I said, the reality is, is that many of these come as a result of inheritances or poorly done divorces, and they're not generally then going to be subject to that, well, I contributed this to, to acquiring this piece of property, or I contributed that. You will see more of that in um, cases where it's like ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend that went into it. Um, but at that point, most of it is deemed to be gifts to each other sure especially because often people buy these pieces of property together when they're dating um and they're buying it because they're like fiancés right so yeah. they're like engaged 
so it's it's perceived more of as a gift. Okay. Or they're acquiring it because they have children in common, right? So okay. that kind of thing. Okay. Are there any specific requirements or qualifications before you file a partition suit? Yeah. So partition is not available for every kind of co-ownership in property. Okay. It's only available for co-owners who have the same type of interest in the property. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. What are the different yeah. types of interest you can have? So, for example, right, you, you can have um, a tenancy by the entirety. That is a unitary kind of interest between only a husband and wife, right? That is generally not seen as something that can be partitioned right. <laughs> because it's a unitary interest. Um, there's also, like, a tenancy in common, so that's, like, you hi, I'm co-owner with this dude, and we each own 50, 50%. Like, that's the ideal uh, one for a partition lawsuit. Yep. Uh, but you can have, like, life estates, right? It's like mom has a life estate, and then there's, like, remainder to her two older sons. Well, sorry, that can't be partitioned because they're different types of interest. A life estate is not the same as a remainder interest. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. So can co-owners voluntarily agree on a partition without going to court? Well, I mean, yes, but then a partition suit wouldn't be required, right? right. If you can agree to anything with your co-owner, then do that. <laughs> right. Well, well, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, if you are in the midst of a partition suit mm -hmm. and you're like, damn, I I'm just ready to be done with this. I'll give you X amount of dollars for your share or whatever. Absolutely. Negotiations can take place during litigation. And so long as both parties agree uh, as an amicable way to resolve the dispute between them. Yeah. And then the court would just kind of like um, adopt that stipulated agreement uh, as part of the judgment. Okay. So that would be official and it would be entered. If it's done correctly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if people are pro se, so they don't have counsel, they're not going to know to do this. Uh, and it's not going to get done properly. And then it would be a very difficult agreement to enforce because then at that point, you have many people that don't have counsel just kind of do handshake agreements, which is a very foolish way to do any real estate transaction. Uh, but I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> yeah, we've seen it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are some of the costs that are associated with a partition suit? So with a partition suit, you've got you've got to be mindful of the filing fees because filing fees for real estate litigation cases in Florida are based on the value of the dispute in relation to the property. Sure. Right? So if it's under fifty thousand dollars, it's got a certain filing fee. Between fifty thousand and two hundred fifty thousand, it has a different filing fee, and over two hundred fifty thousand has a different filing fee, and right. this can range from about five hundred bucks to nearly two grand. Right. So be mindful of that. Right. Um, you're going to have, obviously, service of process fees involved, attorney's fees, you know, uh, and these are contested cases, so they're generally going to be an hourly type of an attorney. Uh, you're going to have sales fees, uh, and these sales fees can be, for example, if it's a public sale, right, like the notice of the sale fee, uh, which is going to be like publishing notice. Uh, you're going to have the actual conducting the sale fee that the clerk charges, which is $70. And then the, if, you know, if it's a county that does electronic um, sales, you're also going to have another additional $70 fee for that. Right. Um, if you've got um, a private sale that was permitted, you're going to have commissions of, you know, the um, yeah, realtors the involved. Mm -hmm. So the, those are definitely the costs and the real costs um, associated with partition suits. But some of these costs, like I said, would happen 
if you decided to do a stipulated agreement for a sale anyway, right. because commissions, right, that's 6% um, generally. So there's there's costs either way. Yeah, in having significant disputes. costs either mm-hmm. way. But sometimes it's your only option, mm-hmm. right? Um, so can a co-owner seek compensation for improvements they made to the house, you know, it, it, during its lifetime as they, you know, owned it together, they made improvements, remodeled the bathroom, remodeled the kitchen? Uh, yes, but they have to be very mindful that they don't get credits for their portion of ownership. So if, like, you improved the bathroom and, you know, you remodeled it and you spent $10,000 on this, you only get a credit for the other owner's share. Yeah, yeah. You don't get so a credit for 50, your own 50, thing. It's only five grand. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. Uh, and the same thing goes for payment of taxes and insurance and anything else involved, right? You're going to get credits for what's not your percentage of ownership, right? What would be deemed the obligation of the other side. But do realize that if you are like a tenant in possession um, and there was some sort of like rental activity that went on, maybe you rented a room and you didn't share that with the other co-owners, they can get credits against you for that. Sure. Okay. Now, we, we talked earlier a little bit about this being an evidence-based um, lawsuit, right? Mm-hmm. What are the types of uh, documents or evidence that should be gathered, you know, to prepare for a suit like this? So, it depends on how you became a co-owner with this person or group of people, right? So, you're going to need deeds, if you inherited it, you're going to need like court orders that determine how you became the new owners of the property under inheritance laws. Um, if you want to make any claims that you've made improvements or that you've paid taxes or insurance or anything else, you're going to need receipts. <laughs> you're going to need thorough and detailed receipts that say that these things, that th- these expenses are directly re- related to X, Y, and Z property, right? Uh because if you just have like your bank statement from Home Depot and it's showing like all these purchases, but there's nothing else indicating that these purchases are connected in any way, shape or form right. to they that property. Right, they mm-hmm. could be for anything. I mean, you could have a, a contractor business and these are general things, right? So evidence has to be clear to support whatever you're arguing you should get credits for. Sure, good to know, good to know. Now, does the outcome of, of a partition suit impact the credit or financial history of either of the parties? So, no, because it's not a foreclosure, right? So it doesn't impact credit because credit has to do with, like, monetary obligations of indebtedness, um, which, you know, even, like, a lease agreement, for example, is a type of contract saying that you're making monthly payments or something. That's mm-hmm. why leases can impact your credit. But a partition suit isn't a foreclosure. Right. Okay? okay. It may force a judicial sale, but it is not a foreclosure, so it shouldn't impact your financial history. Right. But it does show up in the official records. It does show up in the official records, but it'll say judgment of partition. It won't say judgment of foreclosure. Okay. Okay. Um, this is a big one um, because a lot of the questions that we have are like, what, what's going to be my cut? Mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of this, right? In fact, I had a hearing just on that uh, in a partition case yesterday morning, and the defendant on the other side asked, like, 
So is it going to be like a 50-50 cut of blah, blah, blah? Or they're, you know, like, am I going to have to pay attorney's fees, yada, yada? So it's a great question. It comes up even yeah, in hearings. It does come up. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, um, can a co-owner be awarded attorney's fees or other costs if they win the partition suit? So number one, there's no winning a partition suit, right? Okay. If, if you demonstrate that there's more than one owner and that they don't agree... The court has to grant partition. Okay, so they have to grant it. <laughs> they have to. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, you are not stuck indefinitely with co-owners if you can't agree to things. Okay, okay? so yeah. how do the attorney's so, fees work in a partition suit? Right, so there, there's no winning, right? There's no prevailing party. So attorney's fees are actually prorated based on percentage of ownership. So even if there's only one attorney in the lawsuit, those attorney's fees are going to get prorated to every owner. Wow. So if lawsuit. I'm pro se, so mm -hmm. if I'm going in without legal representation, mm -hmm. I own 75% of a property, but my brother mm -hmm. has 25% of the property. He has an attorney. I still have to pay 75% yes, of his of legal fees? Yes, of the attorney's fees. fees. Yes. Wow. So okay. you could think of it as like an above the line deduction sure. from the sales proceeds. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's prorated based on interest. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's good to know, too, because if you have 25 percent, you might uh, you might do well, <laughs> you know, with, with the opposing parties having to pay most of your attorney fees. Right. Because it's, it's, it's one of those like if if the type of ownership is the right type of ownership and you really do have a disagreement, then it's kind of it, it's going to be granted. OK. All right. Um, are there any circumstances where a partition suit may not be the best option to resolve a co-owner dispute? So, um, like I was mentioning earlier on in this episode, right, if the title interests are not the same type of title interest, you can't pursue a partition. It's just not an available remedy to you. So again, like if you've got a life estate, like mom wants to sell the property, but her two sons have the remainder interest and they can't agree, Sorry, but you're stuck. You cannot force a partition because you don't all have the same type of interest. Right, right. <laughs> Which is why you shouldn't do life estate deeds without an attorney. A uh, big, big problem that can come out of that, right? We might have to do an episode on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we should do an episode on, on life estate deeds. Um, so that's probably one of the biggest ones. And also, right, if, if for example, you inherited property but you really want nothing to do with it right mm -hmm. uh you can sell your partial interest to somebody else to deal with the litigation for you yeah so that's an option you know you can find an investor who's willing to buy your half interest three quarters interest whatever your percentage is and litigate to force the sale mm -hmm. so there's an option for you okay mm -hmm. excellent um, so you actually kind of already answered this, but are there any other alternatives to a partition suit to resolve these co-owner disputes? So like I said, it's, you know, uh, sales, right? Yep. You can try, obviously you can try doing negotiations. You can maybe try seeing if you can use a mediation as a way to resolve the dispute, especially if there's still some sort of amicability between the two of you or three of you or four of you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the more people that there are, the more difficult it is to resolve those disputes without yeah, partition. Of course. Um, but, you know, if if you just want out and you find somebody that's willing to give you some money for it, you can always sell your portion, right? Yeah. 
So long as you have an identifiable percentage, you can sell that identifiable percentage. So that's that's uh, an alternative that's viable. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So lastly, what are three things a property owner must do to effectively navigate a partition suit? So number one, get a lawyer. Get a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> it may seem biased, but we're honestly, you know, thinking yeah. of your best interest. Yeah, here. like partitions are not something for the faint of heart. And because they're so evidentiary based, especially when it comes to credits, you're not going to have any idea on how to present evidence or, or do any of those things without counsel. Yeah, you're or trial not. procedure, exactly. all of that, you're, you're, right? Yeah, you're going to crash and burn. <laughs> um, number two, right, you, you've got to prepare all your receipts. Yeah. So if you even like, if you inherit anything, for example, right, uh, start saving those receipts on absolutely everything having to do with that property, just in case you and your brother or your sister stop getting along about what to do with the property. Yep. Um, And then I would say to like navigate a partition suit, just (laughs) hunker down for the long haul because evidence-based litigation does often take years. Yeah. Um, So... In order to, you know, especially to prove like credits of like, oh, well, I, you know, fixed this up or I spent this much repairing the AC or I paid all the property taxes for such and such years. Those are things that have to be proven to the court. Yeah. Um, And so these are like evidentiary presentations and evidentiary presentations require discovery periods ahead of time. You know, that's when you're like asking for uh, proof that the other side has those receipts and all these other things. These things take time. Yes. So <laughs> so be ready for the long haul uh, effect of it, unless you're both willing to, you know, waive any credits and just be like, fine, whatever, we'll just have to sale and, and, and agree or stipulate to distribute, you know, the mm. surplus equally. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast application. And then tune in every Monday to get more tips on how to avoid investing's legal pitfalls and take your real estate business to the next level. You can also find us online at lcolawfl.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Legacy Academy FL.